0: Welcome to the Purposeful OT Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Emily Riley, founder of Purposefully Home and co-founder of Functional Futures in Scottsdale, Arizona. As an occupational therapist and functional design consultant, I work closely with senior care communities, trades, pros, and others in the residential home-build industry in order to minimize the barriers that exist within the built environment. Each week, we will explore functional, intuitive, and timeless solutions in order to create home and community spaces that empower you to live your life with purpose. All right. So thank you for joining the Purposeful OT podcast. And today we're here with Autumn Trimble of Home and Heart Therapy.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me, Emily. Thank
0: you for being our first guest. So we're celebrating Purposefully Home and the Purposeful OT, joining to celebrate Occupational Therapy Month. So we're highlighting guests that are OTs working in home modification. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So like you already said, my name is Autumn Trimble. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I graduated from TSU, uh, Tennessee State University, just a couple of years ago. And I got into like home modification and fall risk reduction really as I started learning more about just the need that's there. I mean, I did some observation at a skilled nursing facility and just saw the number of people who had gotten there in the first place because of falls and then also did some time at Vanderbilt's uh, acute care trauma unit. And again, seeing how many people were there because of falls and older people for the most part um, who were there because of falls. And it was astounding. And so I started looking to see what was being done to help them before they fall. Cause there are there, as you probably already know, are great services after they've fallen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there are. We talk about um, you know, fall prevention so much, but it really is more practical that we see kind of in the healthcare system the fall reactivity (laughs) Mm -hmm. is what we're doing to respond to the injury um or the situation after somebody has already fallen. So so yeah, it is pretty unfortunate.
1: Right. And I personally, because I know you're asking to tell a little bit about myself, <laughs> and I kind of went off. Um, I tend to be someone who likes to be a little more proactive um, and put a little effort into preventing a problem in the first place, as opposed to putting a lot of effort in recovering from a problem. So that is what led me to here.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when you were in OT school, you were saying that you observed in a uh, skilled nursing, um, did you, were you employed at another space before you came up with, um, having your own business? I actually was
1: not. <laughs> um, so I, a little bit of back background on that. I actually ended up passing my boards in February of 2020. So (laughs) yes. And so while I, you know, tried applying for positions, it was just so full. It was just such a difficult time for employment. Um, and after a few months of trying to apply for positions and there just being such a high demand for the OT jobs, (laughs) Um, I decided to switch my energy and put that more into this need that I had seen before because I, even when I was in school, I knew that this was something that I wanted to do at some point. I just didn't realize it would be so soon. <laughs> yeah. So I decided to take that energy and put it into like creating the business that I have, home and heart therapy, and learning more about what the needs of, that geriatric and even older adult community is before they fall.
0: (laughs) Right. Absolutely. So that's what I, you know, that's why I created the Purposeful OT because a lot of times people think of fall prevention and they think of occupational therapy as a service that works with such a specific area of the body typically arms and Mm. upper um and you know older adults which they don't always get the um benefit of the doubt that they can live very fulfilling and active lifestyles so how do you um how do you kind of blend what you know about uh the built environment so for those of you that don't know the built environment is those everyday places we interact with. So our homes, the schools, work, places in the community. So how do you blend lifestyle of seniors with occupational therapy just to help our audience understand?
1: Right. So I personally am a fan of the PEO model or the person environment occupation work activities model. So I look at as you said, the built-in environment and see how that interacts with both the skills that the person already has that they might be strong in. Maybe they're really good at endurance or maybe they have good balance, um, just as an example. And see how those two components interact. And then also look at what activities they're trying to do in that environment and see, well, what, what can... Either be supported, or what can be modified so that the person with the skills that they have is able to do the activities they want to in the environment that it needs to be done. And on an individual basis, because as OTs we're very client person centered. With what I do, it starts with a very lengthy interview, asking them, building that occupational profile, asking them what it is that they do, what's meaningful to them. And doing all that before I even start looking at the environment itself. Just creating, getting a really solid idea of what they're trying to do in that environment. For instance, I had a client actually just last week um, (laughs) that I went and met with them. And their home wasn't overly large or anything. But we spent 2 hours just building that profile. And it made going through the environment itself... Much more meaningful because they had quite a few dogs, but they were very clear from the beginning that those pets were family for them. And there was nothing that was going to have them change that. <laughs> like, it didn't matter what risk, like, those pets were so important for them. And that's something that it was important for me to recognize and respect. Also, they, for them, like, finances were a concern. So even though it might have been great for them to install a ramp and buy all of these handrails and, you know, have those installed and redo their bathroom, that wasn't something that was feasible for them. So then I had to look at, again, like what was going to work for them? You know, what, how, how could we make the person, the environment and the occupation all fit together? And so for them, that meant creating recommendations that were kind of categorized by cost.
0: Okay. Yeah. So low cost solutions. I think that is really great because that's the other common barrier is people,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. when you hear the term home modifications, that it has to be this grandiose, very expensive project. Um, Same thing with fall prevention. Uh, the first thing that we envision, or we go to the store to buy, to help keep you know a loved one safe, are grab bars. And mm-hmm. so, um, I like how you were explaining that you sat with them, and that's pretty remarkable to spend two hours just kind of in the the coffee talk phase, um, <laughs> you know them and and getting you know those details. And I think that's a really great point that. We, as occupational therapists, contribute to that team. So, for example, this particular family maybe won't move on and do uh, an actual renovation with a contractor or handyman. Mm
1: -hmm. But
0: if that were to be the next step, you already have kind of that information that even an aging in place specialist or a contractor focused on um, serving the older adult isn't going to. Be able to take that time to get to know somebody in that functional way. Um, right, they are huge components of our team when we're working together in the home environment. But they're looking at the structural soundness of where we're going to do those projects, um, mm-hmm. and maybe they ask a few questions. But they're they're not trained, and they're not you know focused on that real functional piece. Now, when you are looking and giving them those recommendations, what types of low-cost ideas were you sharing with them that they could implement right there, either while you're there or that same day once you leave?
1: Right. So the biggest zero-cost recommendation that I had for them was just reorganization of their items, um, of their belongings. So that was for them. That was the biggest one because they did have quite a few belongings, which is understandable. You know, as people get older, we tend to accumulate things, um, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. But they definitely could benefit from having their items set up in a way that serves them better, and where they the items were more accessible, as opposed to creating trip hazards. And it doesn't cost any money to do that. They, they also were in a great situation where they had uh, quite a few shelving units. And so being able to kind of shop at home <laughs> okay, yeah. um, and see what items they already have, such as they had a um, a bedside commode that had the ability, it was the one with the multiple parts so that it could just be placed over toilet. And so that was something that could make it easier for them to get on and off the toilet. Uh, because they were having some difficulty getting in and out of chairs. But shopping at home and reorganizing the items that they already have would go a long, long way in making the home safer and more functional.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely kind of just repurpose things. I always pride myself and the OT profession uh, as we're masters of the art of finagling. (laughs) so being able to offer a unique perspective something that you know most homeowners are you know once you kind of live in a space it just becomes automatic you don't really pay attention to it so to have somebody from the outside coming in right um, you know can be really helpful so i'm going to rewind just a little bit because what i liked when you were talking about kind of your process when you're first starting you talked about um using the person, environment, occupation, and activities model. And that's what I really liked on your website. You focus on evidence-based practice, which I think we as occupational therapists do. That's part of Mm. our act. So when we're interacting with clients, that definitely is a big contributing factor. But what people don't always realize is that we do that. So what made you um, really want to emphasize that and incorporate kind of that educational component on your website, how has that helped your clients kind of get a better idea that you might be the right fit for their project?
1: Right. Well, so people I find tend to respond well to knowing that it's more than just one person's idea (laughs) to knowing (laughs) that there, there has been thought from multiple people put into a concept and that it's been tested (laughs) (laughs) to know that someone's not just, you know, making things up as they go to know that there, you know, is that knowledgeable base behind it. And so in my area in Nashville, Tennessee, to my knowledge, I'm the only person, the only company that is offering something like this. So there isn't, it's, it's very new. And so with that, I could very easily see how a lot of people might be uncertain about it, um, might be wondering, is it necessary? How is it actually going to help? So by going ahead and providing that evidence, that research, hopefully I can, one, let people know that it is important <laughs> that even you know if they haven't been seriously injured, hopefully they haven't, but it's important not to wait until they have been injured to start taking action. And to know that the methods that I'm using have been researched. They do have evidence behind them and they are effective and they don't have to just take my word for it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, People like kind of that proof of concept and Mm -hmm. so home modifications and occupational therapists being a relatively new niche area. I know there's been practitioners that have done it and there certainly are a lot of researchers doing it, but now it's kind of getting out into the world a little bit more, you know, prevalently. And with the rising concerns for falls, the CDC actually has falls as a public health crisis. Right. The interventions that aren't just using medications or putting somebody into maybe a long-term care. Care facility, I think it's a really great option to have as you know, kind of a tool in their toolbox. And right. that's something that I found is family members just don't really know where to turn. So mm-hmm. doing a search and finding kind of a little uh unique kind of niche area, it has been really helpful to those families. So kind of talking about fall prevention and fall risk, fall recovery. I feel like those are kind of the three terms. How does home modifications fit in? So we kind of talked about setting up the environment and maybe using bedside commode or kind of medical equipment and grab bars. But Mm -hmm. what about the, the families that maybe already have that equipment or maybe the families that are really concerned about turning their home into kind of a medical ward. They, they are very adamant about keeping the aesthetics of their home. So how does home and heart therapy kind of focus on function and aesthetics?
1: Right. So that's a great question. I love that. There are a lot of even small things that can be done that either are hidden or using concepts of universal design, um, which is something I'm continuing to learn more about. It's fantastic, but even small things like having level walking surface, so like level floors, and then if there are any changes in elevation, whether that's you know a rug or you know a small step up, having smooth surfaces there, like getting those transition pieces that make it easier to go from one place to another, um, getting things like rug tape, having non-skid pads underneath those aren't going to stick out very much. Mm-hmm. Um, also another really big one is lighting. That is something that is so important and lighting can be beautiful. It doesn't have to be something that it doesn't have to be this harsh, cold lighting or, you know, only overhead lighting. You can make it look really lovely, but that lighting will make it more likely that you would see an obstacle that's there and thus be able to avoid it.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, lighting is something that is undervalued. We know that we need to have a light to enter the room, but in kind of older homes or in independent livings, they might not have installed overhead lighting. Um, Mm -hmm. as our eyes and vision ages, it kind of decreases. So we're not as always aware of the type of lighting. So now they have all different kinds of light bulbs that are daylight and simple, bright, and I don't know, (laughs) all different. (laughs) So it can still accommodate, you know, the different preferences. But what we look at as OTs is how that lighting kind of brings out the room. We're looking Mm -hmm. at flare that could occur because some of these, you know, sunlight lights and, you know, different styles can be very reflective. And especially in bathrooms, the latest kind of trends are to have that really clean glass, either door or the glass rounded showers, a combination of that glass and the mirrors, there actually can be quite a bit of reflection. So I like how you really touched on the lighting factor because glare and shadows can also contribute to potential fall risk and falls because our depth perception kind of changes, right? Right. So, um, so yeah, people having someone kind of take into consideration different types of lighting and you mentioned kind of layered lighting. You didn't say that term exactly, but <laughs> uh, but being able to have more than just that overhead lighting and really make a space beautiful. Um, right. That's great. So what might be a unique place that you might consider putting lighting that maybe somebody, if they're getting kind of a renovation or if they're looking to do a few changes that they might not think about?
1: Right, so... Along baseboards in the hallway, getting some lighting there. And there, I'm not sure you're probably familiar with it, how sometimes there can be lighting where it has kind of a covering so that you're not seeing the light source itself directly. Yeah. So, doing something like that, so it can still be nice, soft lighting and still look nice. But again, providing that illumination so you can see where you're going. And then, you know, you can have something similar to that either under couches or behind couches around chairs, around, you know, crown molding as well, putting it around there, just again, to have those, that light source from multiple places.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Those are some areas that I recommend quite a bit. I like underneath the couch, people don't necessarily think about, but if you're staying up late and watching TV and you turn the lights off because you want to get sleepy, but then you get up to go to the bedroom to go to bed and you trip on a shoe or a pet toy or, you know, kind of groggy. So, so they have, yeah, motion sensored lights that you don't have to remember to turn it on necessarily. And I don't remember the brand, um, but they have lighting now, just like you were saying, they're strips and you can make them different colors. So, mm-hmm. and, and now you have them, you can uh, use your phone to like control them. So they're kind of like Bluetooth controlled. So for those of you that might Live apart from your loved one, and they're insistent that they're not going to use these lights. You could set it up, and kind of maybe at 6 p.m. You could kind of put on their their low lighting from a separate place.
1: <laughs> right. Also, um, on that same note, through Amazon, they also have smart outlets. And then if you have Amazon Alexa, she's probably. The Okay. Yeah. She's going to respond now, <laughs> but you can connect her to those outlets and then say, Alexa, turn on the lights and whichever outlets you have connected to those lights and programmed, like you said on the phone, they will all turn on. So that could be something that maybe an adult child, you know, sets up for their loved one. And then all the loved one has to do is tell Alexa to turn on and turn off the lights.
0: Excellent. Yeah. That's really a great feature. And another value add is kind of those electronic sources, Mm -hmm. things that we can just use our voice to control and help us identify the day, the weather, Um, and then of course, these home safety features like turning on the lights. Yeah, we can really automate so many of our systems. Right.
1: Right. There was even a piece of technology, I need to look into it more, but the concept was fantastic, of um, these additions that you can put on your stove knobs. And after a certain time, if left unchecked, they just turn the stove off, which helps really reduce that fear of accidentally leaving the stove on and reduce that fire hazard.
0: Yeah, that is um, a great feature. I recommend those because I have... A lot of clients that have maybe early onset dementia and they are kind of struggling with keeping their balance. And so it could be a matter of being unsteady in the kitchen. And so going to sit down while they're making dinner or something, and then forgetting that they maybe started that task. So being mindful in the kitchen of the different resources Another thing that I like is kind of those grab bars right underneath the counter space. Mm -hmm. So, at the time, seniors, well, anybody, I mean, I do it myself when I'm stooping over to pick something out of the cabinet, you know, the lower level cabinet or leaning to get something out of the oven, um, you know, we kind of put our hand for support on the countertop. And so that could certainly lead to either burns or that slip and fall because there's really not something to grab on. Luckily, counters are pretty stable, but by adding Mm -hmm. that under grab bar, whether it's just a handhold or the length of the counter, it actually gives a secure space to to get a good grasp while you're maybe bending, reaching, and stooping in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So um, is there anything that when you were coming up with home and heart therapy How are you connecting with your community locally to work with, do you work with interior designers or do you just work with handyman or contractors or are you just kind of helping the families create the plan? What's kind of your approach?
1: So at present, I am just helping the families create the plan. And then I personally am offering the ability to help with certain things that don't require contractor expertise, such as rearranging items or, you know, installing clamp-on grab bars, lighting strips, things like that. I am looking for a great contractor in the Nashville, Tennessee area. (laughs) If anyone listening to this happens to know of one, please send them my way. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but here it's contractors don't always have the best reputation. And I would never refer someone to a contractor if I weren't completely confident in their skills and their professionalism. So.
0: Very good. Um, Yeah. And that's a good point. So what, because there is kind of a divide in some respects between occupational therapists that are in this kind of home modification space and trying to collaborate or connect with the build the build environment, the build industry. Mm-hmm. So there are people within the build industry that have gotten the certified aging in place specialists, the cap certification, or other uh, similar certifications so that they can be more aware of accessibility features. And they are also very well aware often of the American with Disabilities Act, The ADA. And so they will kind of take the approach that those certifications and skills are enough that they don't necessarily need kind of an outsider to come in. And that could be kind of perceived as a negative. But of course, you know, my approach is certainly to build and connect and create this community space. And so, on the other hand, you know, occupational therapists kind of have a reputation also. Of yes, we are the experts. We've been trained across the lifespan in the environment and the person function and how that Mm -hmm. relationship is. But we can kind of come off as, you know, that kind of top down. So, what might be some ways we'll kind of do two questions? So, the first one. What are some ways that occupational therapists that are working in this whole modification space um, and maybe things that you're doing, how do we kind of bridge that gap and make that connection so that way we're kind of sending out an olive branch so that we can work together? because realistically, unless we've been to trade school or you know got, right. you know how to design and frame and build, you know, this is a team member. It's not kind of a competition. So, what are some ways that OTs could kind of maybe approach this relationship in a more positive um, and workable way?
1: Right. So, for one, personally, just and this doesn't mean that it's the right way or the wrong way, but how I go about it is for one, recognizing in the other person that they have their expertise as well. I have mine and they have theirs. And framing how i speak with them in a way that reflects that recognition and that respect and then also asking questions in a way where they will be able to kind of showcase that knowledge and expertise so that it's not just me telling them you know oh we need to do this or this needs to happen but giving giving that other person a chance to speak and be heard and then when they are speaking actively listening. So asking those questions and doing, you know, rephrasing what it is they've said so that they know that I'm listening to them. And then that helps build that positive rapport and help the relationship overall.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely. I think asking questions about things that we don't know about and certainly kind of giving that validation. Uh, I just had an example working with a contractor. We were putting in some electrical and redoing a bathroom and they were kind of measuring where the outlet box was going to go. And so they had it set, you know, it's pretty standard to have them pretty close to the floor and I, oh, let's raise that up a bit because that way the person doesn't have to bend. They can easily reach it you know from standing with just an arm reach or this person might have to sit on occasion from a wheelchair level and now they're not having to bend over towards the floor out of their wheelchair which right. could a uh, fall potentially so so having the outlet and he, you know we were able to work together and he was like oh that's a good idea but it just shows kind of how that
1: collaboration piece on a simple example worked um right and And one thing I love about your example there is you didn't just say, put the outlet higher. You also explained your reasoning and, you know, worked with them. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So then the second piece that I wanted to kind of branch off is when families are looking to work with you or when they're just kind of exploring their options and trying to find a contractor to maybe implement some of the suggestions that you've made because you mentioned it could be hard to find somebody trustworthy and Mm. um, capable of doing the the recommendations. For example, I know that showers here in Arizona, a lot are kind of marble and tile. And so that's a really complex material to have to Mm. install grab bars into. And, you know, in an effort to avoid the stick on grab bars, which could fall off, finding somebody that is skilled, it's possible, but a lot of times there's hesitation because if you crack yeah. them, <laughs> <Right>. that stone, was- right. <laughs> so what might be some, some questions to ask the contractor or what are just some things that, that you might consider or that you would share with your families to consider um, when they're exploring who they might have do a project?
1: Right. So I mean, it's not gonna be anything groundbreaking, but <laughs> looking <laughs> at, you know, finding history of the person professionally, like looking for reviews, asking for contacts for their last, you know, if it's if it's appropriate, if it's not a, a hip issue, but asking for contacts of the last few like jobs that they worked on. You know, maybe that it was a, a local business down the road or someone else, and looking in other networks in the community, such as so here we have what an app called Nextdoor. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's the community. <laughs> it's just people from the community posting on there. And so pretty frequently, I'll see either someone, you know, recommending certain professionals or saying, hey, this professional didn't act very professionally. They either didn't show up or they did a poor job. And so looking in those resources too. Not only relying on the reviews that are posted on the company's website,
0: <laughs> yeah, that can be challenging. And I think that's great. Word of mouth is is so huge. And it's great now with social media and um, apps like nextdoor, where uh, neighbors that may not actually physically know one another can still connect and communicate and share. And, you know, being able to support local businesses and small businesses is really really crucial too, in my opinion. So agreed. (laughs) So this has been so great. I would like to have you, if there's any special information or tidbits about either OT as a whole, since we're celebrating Mm -hmm. OT, although I know we shared a lot about how we kind of work in this built space, but home and heart therapy, what's something that you want to share with our audience? before we have our final
1: word. Oh, wonderful. Um, There are two things, (laughs) if that's okay. Of course. Um, First thing is, so for the whole process of, you know, looking at the different aspects of how to like reduce fall risk, remembering like the attention and stress component of it, to like addressing that, because even, even if the environment's great and even if a person has really great you know skills already for not falling if they're not paying attention if they don't see something that's in the environment maybe that's not normally there then it's still more likely that they're going to fall so remembering that and then the other thing is that there the CDC has a plethora of wonderful resources of programs and activities and tips for preventing falls. And so if anyone is unsure where to start, that's a great place to start looking for resources and then go from there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of programs and now that more things in the communities in different areas are opening up, hopefully some of their social activities and physical activities will be starting starting up again, but that is a really great resource and certainly valuable to those that are kind of concerned. So that's wonderful. And then what I would like to do with my guests. So I always have this mantra or quote, I guess, of live your life with purpose. So how would you say that you as an OT help people to live their lives with purpose?
1: Ooh, I love that. I help them by living without so much fear. Um, Because when you don't have so much fear in your life, you can focus more on the purpose behind it.
0: Absolutely. It's amazing how people can be held back by fear and not recognize it. They stop doing things, you know, like stop drinking after five so they don't have to get up in the middle of the night because they'll have to go to the bathroom or not lunch, which I know in these circumstances with COVID, it's a little bit different, but even pre COVID, um, Mm. not going to lunch with friends because walking from the, the, um, car into the restaurant is kind of scary and they're afraid that they're going to be embarrassed and trip on the curb. So Mm -hmm. that is such a great point, really helping people to break out of that because they, will build that comfortable confidence that they need to remain living in their homes and community. So, fantastic. So (laughs) before we wrap up, where can you be found? What is your website or social media? Where can people find you if they have questions or they just want to connect and learn more?
1: Right. So my website is www.homehearththerapy.com. And that was hearth as in like by a fireplace. (laughs) Um, I am on Facebook and Instagram. Again, home hearth therapy. On Instagram, there's an underscore between each word.
0: (laughs) I'll make sure all this information in the show notes too. So people can um, have an easy link too.
1: Oh, wonderful. Thank you. And then they can also feel free to call me. My phone number is 615-295-9202.
0: Fantastic. Well, this has been very informative. It's always great to connect with other occupational therapists, of course. And it's great to learn the different approaches that we can all have in helping people to live in their homes safely and confidently. So thank you for spending this time with me and I wish you good luck and we'll be in touch soon.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been fantastic. Thank you for tuning into the
0: Purposeful OT Podcast. I'm so excited to share this space with you and I look forward to highlighting projects, sharing stories, and having really fun interviews to discuss the built environment. As an occupational therapist, there are so many different ways we can contribute to creating functional and inclusive spaces. So tune in each week to learn how you can implement simple concepts into your home space right now. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a friend. Tag the purposeful OT on Instagram and share a photo of how you've implemented one of our tips and tricks. You can also head over to purposefullyhome.com and sign up for our newsletter to learn more about me and stay up to date on creative solutions to help transform your home.